0: That hand actually, that would be really good to stretch out and let's pray for aid. Lord, Lord we thank you that we can meet together and we can hear your word. Lord we thank you that you never tire of wanting to speak to us even when we might not want to hear. But Lord will you help us to open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds and our souls Lord to, to hear what it is, to feel what it is, to know what it is, to have a word from you Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, man. Hello, everyone. morning. Am I on? Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Can't work out whether I'm on or not from here. See if that's better. See if it comes on. Nothing? Nothing at all? I'll keep, I'll keep chatting. Oh, there we go. There I am. I wondered where I've gone then. This is, um, this is an extraordinary week, isn't it? Because uh, next Friday we're going away. Most of us are going away to Lee Abbey. There's something else happening on Thursday as well. Um, but obviously, the biggest thing this week is that we're going away next weekend. I did wonder about whether we should spend half of today just praying for what's going on with the election, but um, because we're going to be gathering together as a church on uh, Wednesday morning, and we can also pray in home groups and things like that, I thought actually, I just felt like the Lord said I didn't need to do that, but actually what was most important was to bring something else, bring another message, and part of it is in preparation for next weekend. So... um, i'm aware that not everyone's coming so i don't want it this all to be about preparing for next weekend uh, as an event for next weekend but actually we've already talked about unity today and talked about the is talking a lot about strength in unity When we all get behind the car and push in the same direction and a lot of what we've been singing about today is about how strength comes when we are all one in the lord There is, the Lord can do things with us when we are united that he can't do if we are separate. And so what I'm bringing today, I'm hoping will be something that we can all embrace, whether we're actually coming physically on the weekend or not. This is actually a time when together as a church, I believe the Lord wants to pull us tighter together um, for his purposes. I remember when I used to play rugby and we were in the scrum. I used to play second row or number eight usually. And... uh, the tighter you pull together in the scrummage um, in rugby, the tighter you pull together, the, the more force you've got to go forward. It's, it's, uh, I don't know how it works in physics. Um, but the, the more you bind on together, the more power you've got to push away the opponents. And I think it's a bit like that with us and the Lord at the moment. I believe the Lord is asking us to pull tighter. And the way we do that is to get closer to Jesus. Because yeah. we, when we're scattered... We all need to move into the direction of Jesus and gather tightly around Jesus. And as we do that, we grow closer together and we make room for each other as well. So I believe that's what the Lord is doing. And so this morning, rather than going, carrying on with our preaching series, Building on the Rock, going through the Sermon on the Mount, we carved out this this little window of time for a message of preparation, a different kind of message, an open session, if you like, where I had the the chance to be able just to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say to us at this key time in our church life? And what I really felt the Lord brought to the fore was that we need a heart preparation. Mm. And we need to have our our hearts and our ears prepared to hear his word afresh. Because you know as well as I do, that there are times in our lives where we're particularly open to God's word, and our hearts are particularly responsive to God's word. And there are also times, aren't there, where we become a little bit dull of hearing or our hearts seem somehow a little bit less receptive. I believe this is time. This, this couple of weeks is a key time to have our ears opened and our hearts responsive. I believe he wants to stir up hunger for his word an expectation that he wants to speak to us before we go away next weekend he's calling for hungry ears and soft open hearts so at the end of my preach this morning and after communion because we're going to share communion together as well this morning when we've shared communion that's what we're going to be praying for and I believe that the Lord wants to do some work in us to be able to open ears to have hungry ears ears that are hungry for the word that are longing to hear the word of God and to stir that up, but also to make our hearts supple, unmovable, for him to be able to do stuff in our lives. So that's where we're going. That's where this morning is going to finish up. So if that's something that you're aware of, I just want to ask, Holy Spirit, would you just speak to us even now, just on that level? What do you need to do with our hearts and our ears? Our spiritual ears and our hearts. What, what is needed? And I pray whatever is needed, whatever you'd like to do. Because I know you want to do a lot this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would, as I speak, you would open our hearts, Lord, to what you want to do with us. First, first of all, I want to talk about our spiritual ears. Will you open your Bibles at Mark chapter four? We're going to be reading from verse twenty-three. Mark 4 and verse 23. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. And you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. I think that's, those are amazing verses. It is possible to have ears that want to hear, and there is, it's possible to have ears that don't particularly want to hear. In Jesus' crowd before him, he had a spectrum of openness to his word. Some people in that crowd were going to receive the word. Do you remember the parable of the sower, where some people received the word and it blossomed into fruit straight away? Other people, it was less successful. And and Jesus was talking about our hearts a bit like different kinds of soils. Now, it's always that way. It is always the way with us that our hearts can be receptive or they can be uh, not so with the Lord and they can be quite closed. And Jesus is saying, if you want to hear my word, your heart needs to be open. It needs to be hungry. It needs to be yielded. You qualify to receive his word and to understand his purposes when your heart is open. There's a promise there. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. Now that verse is interesting. It, it, it repeats again and again and again in the Gospels. Even last week we read... That those same words. Because actually the translation closest would be from the Greek. It's saying, to, to him who has, more will be given. Or, to the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay? Do you remember last week we were talking about judging people? And that same, that, that same language is an identical verse in the Greek. To the measure that you use to judge other people, you will be judged. Do you remember? Mm. Now, this is the same thing. To the measure that you're willing to make use of this, it will be measured to you. And in this context, I believe it means, to the measure that you're willing to hang on God's word, and you're hungry for God's word, it will be given to you. It will be measured to you. And some. Because he goes on to say... And you will receive even more. The closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given. And you'll receive even more. There is an over and above. As you become more open and hungry for God's word to impact your life, it's as though God can't resist giving you a little bit more than you you could possibly imagine. He's a good dad. He likes to surprise us with blessing beyond what we ask for, doesn't he? And this is the way it is with us. If you think back to the times in your life where God has spoken the most strongly and the most consistently, consistently, I can almost guarantee that that is also the same time when you felt most hungry for the Word of God. Our hunger level determines what we hear and how much God can speak to our hearts and transform our lives. I've often heard it said, you can have as much of God as you want. And in this context, I think that's true. You can have as much of God in your life as you want. It just depends on how much you want it. It depends on how much you want the Lord. How much time, how much priority you're willing to carve out of your life and give it to God. How central you can, you're hungry for God to be in your life. And if you give him the centre, he will take it. And he will fill your life with wonderful things. Our job is to develop listening ears. (coughs) His job is to speak the things that we need to hear that will transform our lives. And it's that way as individuals, and it's that way as a church as well. I love it. Verse 24. Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more it will be given to you. There is a great study, a great case study of what it means to be open and receptive to the Lord, to have ears to hear. Uh, And that's a study on Peter and how he hears the Lord. The reason why I love to to use Peter as a bit of a case study is because I see myself in Peter. He's somebody that is actually often quite close to the Lord. Sometimes he's quite stubborn, he's set in his ways, he's quite black and white about things, isn't he? He kind of knows what the Lord should be doing... Um, and he sticks with what he knows. Um, And he's he's able to sort of speak his heart when he's not quite sure what God's up to. He's able to say, no, Lord, you got it all wrong. And he did, if you think about when he, uh, Jesus wanted to wash his feet. And he said, no, you shall never wash my feet, Lord. Far be it from you to wash my feet. And then he said, Peter, you don't understand right now, which is always the way with Peter. You don't get it now, but you will. And Jesus was confident that Peter would get it because he had a very teachable spirit. Even though he was stubborn in character, like me, he also had a very teachable spirit. And I'm delighted that the teachable spirit can trump the stubborn character. Because you see it again and again in Peter. And as soon as Peter realised that there was something here that was missing that he didn't understand, he was able to say, okay Lord, well if that's the case, then just wash all of me, you know. And he jumped in again with two feet, like he does when he steps out of the boat in the storm. He doesn't always need to fully understand things before he steps out. So I love coming to Peter. Uh, And so we're going to look at uh, this little chapter in Peter's life in Acts chapter 10. Because it it shows us something of what it is to have ears to hear and a heart that is receptive to God, that is pliable in God's hands. That God can teach him new things. So Acts chapter 10, just to set the scene for you. uh, Peter is in Joppa, which is a port town, beautiful port town in Israel. And he is really waiting to see what what the next thing the Lord wants to do with him. So he's just raised someone from the dead and he's preaching the kingdom he's proclaiming the word of god but he's he's kind of at this point where he's not quite sure what's coming next and so peter is is in a time of of prayer and of seeking the lord saying lord i want you to speak to me meanwhile in caesarea god is doing a massive amount of work in a centurion's house called cornelius He's even sent him an angel saying, you've got to go and get Peter and bring him over here to speak to you because he's going to tell you the words that are going to lead to salvation. So this centurion, Cornelius, has sent out some of his servants to go and get Peter. And they've set out a couple of days before. And now you've got Peter who is about to go up on the roof to pray. So reading from verse 9. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. I can identify with that as well. But while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Normally I just get grumpy, but he, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I've never eaten anything that our Jewish lords' laws have declared are impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Mm-hmm. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up into heaven. Peter was very perplexed. I can identify with that as well. What could this vision mean? Then the men sent by Cornelius found found Simon's house, standing outside the gates. They asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. And the next day he went with them, accompanied by some brothers from Joppa. So, Peter is at a time when he is open to the next thing for the Lord. He's already done an extraordinary amount. He's been, uh, he's been brought before the authorities. He's been in prison. He's been out. He's, he's moved on. He's been moved to Joppa to stay with this man, Simon the Tanner. And now he is just open to the Lord. And... Uh, I love this story because I can identify with this story. There was a time in my life where the Lord spoke to me most powerfully. And the strongest vision I've ever had was at a time when I was on the rooftops in Israel praying, saying, Lord, what do you want to do with my life? And so this, every time I read this, it's like I'm back there. It's like I'm this 19-year-old guy up on the roof in Israel uh, reading the Psalms saying, Lord, I want to know what I want to do with my life. And it was at that time of real hunger and searching the scriptures and saying, God, I want you to speak to me, that God broke through with a vision, an amazing vision in the night, and then spoke to me very powerfully. And the effects of that that time, that, that encounter with the Lord, is still very much shaping who I am and what my life is about today. It's hunger. It's hunger and openness to God that opens us to receive things like that. But what I... Well, just to sort of break down what Peter did. Firstly, he was at prayer. It started with disciplines. It started with, with Peter wanting to spend some time with Jesus. How many of you know that the, the most powerful way for God to impact your life and lead you onto a new chapter is to spend some time with Jesus? I know it sounds very simple, but you can't bypass that. You can't read a book or go to a conference and just hear from a prophet or something like that and expect your life to take the shape that God has in mind for you. You need to spend time with Jesus. It's actually by spending time with him that then you you, you become the person that God is ready to speak to. And then he can use the books, then he can use the prophets, then he can speak powerfully from his word. But like Peter, we need to be people of prayer. Disciplined prayer. He was going up at a certain hour of the day. And he was, he was praying even though he was hungry, which shows his priorities, doesn't it? Yeah. It not matter that he was hungry, he was going to pray, because he felt that that's what he needed to do. Prayer made him open. And God spoke even sort of using his hunger, didn't he? Which I really liked. But actually it was through prayer that he then entered into Revelation. And God chose him the same thing three times. Three times this sheet is lowered from heaven. Say three times peter objects and explains how impeccable his jewish credentials are and three times it's as though god says no i'm trying to get through to you i'm trying to teach you something and then it says immediately the sheep was taken back up into heaven this is almost as say god saying oh for goodness sake <laughs> and pulls it away uh-huh. but he, he's willing to to work with peter he's willing to get through he's willing uh, to, to break through this stubborn, hard exterior that Peter has. And I love that. And then you see this, this teachable spirit of Peter because he wrestles with it. It says, after the vision had sort of left him, he was confused and perplexed. So there was something deep within Peter that just couldn't let it go. He knew that he'd heard something from God. And even though his mind was wrestling, saying, I, I just can't think how this could be God because it's so out of my box something in his spirit was saying, yes, I know this is the Lord. I know I need to hang on and wrestle through it in prayer and and stick with it and meditate on it. Because I know that the truth and the significance of what Jesus is trying to say to me is going to come. And he went on that journey with the Lord. He doesn't close his ears when God says something. And I just think that that's a wonderful picture for us. If you're like me and, and you like to do things as they ought to be done and you like to make sure that you're not rocking the boat unnecessarily and you like to have order in your life and, and especially if you're somebody that likes to kind of have some idea of where you're going and how to predict things, how are you going to build stuff? I like to know that. I like maps and blueprints and things like that. I like to know what's going to happen. And if you're a bit like that and you're stubborn and you also think you know you're right all the time, which, which happens to be a bit of a problem for me as well, um, it sometimes takes God to get through and say, do you know what? We're going in a different direction and I need you to keep up to speed with me now. And I love the way he's willing to, to continue to persevere and to push through and to get through to him. Because then comes The questions in his unsettled pursuit of understanding he is opening himself then to the full significance of God's word do you know what, God doesn't mind our questions if we we are in that unsettled questioning time he then learns a lot more about what God's got for him because he's willing to hang on every answer God gives us actually all it does really is throw up ten more questions, doesn't it? Whenever you learn something of God and what he's like and what his purposes are, it it very rarely stops there. The more you understand God and his nature and the word, the more questions rise to the surface. And you find yourself wrestling in all, all sorts of ways. I believe that's how the Lord likes to work with us. He likes to throw up questions. Then what happens? He's obedient. He yields to God's purpose. The Holy Spirit was kind enough to say, these people are at your gate. I want you to go with them. So even without knowing what the vision meant, even being wrestling and perplexed, and now being asked by Gentiles to go travel with them and to visit Gentiles, which is something he would never do, the Holy Spirit was kind enough to say, look, you're not going to understand this, but please would you just go with me. Take these steps. These men are coming. I want you to go. And I believe that that's how it is with us. We don't always need to understand the full significance of what God is saying to us to to set out on the journey, to begin to move towards the thing that God is calling us to. I just think that's a really key step for us. Because sometimes you can have that resting, you can have that, that, that call forward. You can begin to see something that God is doing. But unless we actually step out and begin to move towards it, Sometimes we can trip up at that point. But he does. He goes on that journey. There are some experiences in the Christian life that can only be known through blind faith and obedience. Sometimes you just got to go, even before your brain catches up. And then there was a journey. I don't know how far it is from Joppa to Caesarea but it was probably a couple of days' walk. And it says that it was a bunch of Jews. He took six of the brethren with him. Six people from Joppa went with him. Because he, he recounts it again towards the end of the chapter. And in, and in uh, chapter 11. So it was six Jews, and however many of these people were sent from Cornelius' house, journeying together to Cornelius' place. So he had a a road trip with maybe, you know, 10, 12 of them traveling together. And in that journey, he would have learned about what's been going on at Cornelius' house, about how the Lord has been preparing the way. He would have spent time talking and eating and fellowshipping with people that up until this point he'd stayed, stayed distant from. So he was beginning to sort of enculturate himself to the people he was about to minister to, he was immersing himself and teaching himself and allowing the Lord to be able to open his eyes to things that he was previously closed to. He went on a journey. And I think that is how it is with us as well. Do you want to go on a journey with God? When God calls you, you then have to set out on the journey and pay attention. And it's actually on the journeying with the Lord into what he has said that often God can teach us so much in subtle ways, imperceivable ways. But our hearts begin to change as we journey with the Lord. And then he got on with the job. He served them. When he got there and he heard what was going on, he got on with preaching the gospel. And he just preached a very simple message about who Jesus was. About how he he went around doing marvellous things and about how he was crucified and he was raised from the dead. And the Holy Spirit interrupts him, and the Spirit falls on the whole place. It was just like on the day of Pentecost. There was a mighty outpouring of God. And it was only at that point, really, that Peter understood what the vision was about. How much distance had been travelled from the point of hunger and then receiving a vision to the point of understanding and seeing the fulfilment. A wonderful thing. And it was, it was a transformational moment in such a huge way. I mean, this was the moment, really, when the door was opened for the gospel to the Gentiles. It was this moment. It was Peter being willing to change his mindset and to move ahead because of his teachable heart that opened the door for you and me to know faith. Otherwise, it, that door would never have been opened. And interestingly, he wasn't the one that really walked through it. Later on, you hear him still wrestling. You know what is? How much of this gospel is for the Gentiles, and should we not still impose certain things? And it's actually Paul that walked through the door. Paul was the one that really pioneered the gospel to the Gentile world. But it was Peter, in his openness to the Lord, was was able to open that door for Paul to walk through. Paul wouldn't have been able to walk through it in the same way. Had Peter not done this? Amazing. Sometimes. I I love that thought that God could share, if we are yielded to him, God could share with us his purposes enough that actually if we're obedient and we journey with him and we experience something of a a movement of the grace of God, something that could be so extraordinary that it would take others to walk through the door to see it fulfilled. I love the idea that we could be part of something that that would be bigger than our generation. That actually it would be other people that would carry that baton and see the fulfillment of things that began as vision with us in embryo. And I believe that we're coming into a time in the next couple of weeks where we need to be open to what God wants to say to us as a church. Because it can be that as we are open to him, as our ears are open to hear and hungry to hear and our hearts are pliable enough, God can give us the next thing like he did with Peter. And that thing, none of us can ever know the significance of it. You know, the Lord could see what he was doing. He could see, ahead of time, how powerful this encounter was gonna be where the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles and from that point, it went across the known world. Peter couldn't see that. All he was doing is putting one foot in front of another, still confused with a vision of a sheet and a load of animals. So God was doing his part, which was huge, Peter was doing his part on the small amount of information that he had, but a stirring in his heart. Peter was somebody who had blinkers on, but God didn't mind his blinkers. His heart was soft enough. God knew how to remove his closed mindset and lead Peter on to the next chapter. Peter was just a vessel. He was a man set apart for God's purposes, and he was yielded to the Holy Spirit, And he learned to respond to God's word. That's all he was. He just cultivated the ears to hear and the discipline in his life and the availability. And I believe that anybody here that is willing to develop ears to hear what the Lord would say to you and have a, a pliable, yielded heart, a teachable spirit like Peter had, I believe that is all we need to qualify to hear God's word afresh over our lives. And I believe that Peter learned it from Jesus. Do you know your heart gets supple and open to God's word. And act, the activity of the Holy Spirit. By hanging out with Jesus. Let's have a look at Matthew and chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 14. One day... The disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, Why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the, bride, with, with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins will burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. No, the new wine is stored in new wineskins, so that both are preserved. These people from John... John's disciples were essentially coming to Jesus saying, Why don't you do what's expected? Why don't you do the normal thing? And Jesus said, Essentially, Don't you know who you've got with you? I am with you. The normal thing is not the main thing when you've got Jesus with you. When Jesus is amongst us, there is a break away from just doing, going through any motions, doing things because it is our tradition, doing things because it's part of our spiritual practice. We always fall back to spiritual practice and our tradition if we can't sense that Jesus is amongst us, but Jesus is amongst us. And therefore the tradition and the, the, just the way of doing things as a church, going through the motions becomes secondary to responding to the presence of Jesus when, the, when Jesus is amongst us. Those things are only supposed to be a framework in order for us to be able to worship Jesus and encounter him and be transformed by him. We are first and foremost disciples, people who follow after Jesus, not people who uphold the traditions. And Jesus is saying, you're not supple enough to understand and to contain that which is going on amongst you right now. You don't understand how my disciples are functioning because you haven't spent enough time with me. They were John's disciples. So they were quite kind of stuck in what it meant to be John's disciples and how to go about things. And they were saying that the Pharisees fast as well. And there was good reason for both of those things. And, And Jesus says, you know, one day they will fast, but right now, this is appropriate. And I believe that what Jesus was saying was, it is by being with me that you can become a new wineskin. The people that have spent time with Jesus have become supple. They've become open to the new thing that God was doing. He wasn't, he wasn't rubbishing John's disciples and he wasn't rubbishing the Pharisees even for fasting. He wasn't rubbishing the old wine. He was just saying actually what God is doing right now here can only be contained, can only be appreciated if, you, if you're part of the new thing that I'm doing, and your hearts have become supple enough to understand it, and to contain it. And I believe that Jesus is always interested in where he can pour the new wine. Where he can do the new thing. Where people are willing to accept Jesus for what he is, and who he is, and what he wants to do. And be truly accommodating of his purposes. I believe that Jesus wants this church just to be aware, just to reflect on the run-up to Lee Abbey. How supple and accommodating am I to the word of God and the ways of God? How open am I to God pouring in a new thing in my life? And it's about listening as an individual and listening as a church, both together. Do you want to be a supple vessel? Do you want to be the kind of church that God can do a new thing in and pour out what he's doing? Do you want to be a kind of person that is not just hungry for God's word, but you know that your heart is predisposed to accommodate God's word, even if your brain doesn't catch up that quickly? I believe God is calling us as a church to be a people with hungry ears, And soft hearts. I really do. And I think the Lord wants to deal with us where sometimes our hearts can become a little bit rigid. Or it's been a while, maybe, for some of us since we just felt like we were. If we don't receive the word of God over our lives, if we don't receive something of an encounter with Jesus, I'm just going to collapse because I'm so hungry for an encounter with the Lord. I'm so hungry for him to speak those words that transform. Because when Jesus speaks a word into our lives and we have an encounter with him and a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit, it changes everything. It makes us come alive. There's something in us that just switches on and life just raises to a new dimension in the most wonderful way we walk with purpose we walk with joy we have the peace of knowing that we're within the will of god and we're part of something bigger than ourselves we've all known it and we all know it but sometimes we i believe the lord's saying okay i want i want you to get hungry again because i want there's more that i want to do there is a new wine to pour out and that means you guys have got to become a new wineskin Right? I believe that's where we are this week. So whether you're coming away on the weekend away or not, I believe that's what I believe the Lord wants to do in our hearts. He wants to prepare our hearts for the new things that He wants to do. And we're gonna pray for that in a moment. But before we do, we're gonna break bread together. Because do you remember I said actually part of this strength that I believe that God wants to give us is a drawing together is a communing together, and the closer we come to Jesus, the stronger we become. So we're going to do things slightly differently this morning. We're going to break bread together, then I'm going to pray into some of the things I've been preaching about from that place of communion. But we want to, it's like a prophetic act. We're going to to bunch in, we're going to gather close, and we're going to break bread together. Um, I'm going to lead us through communion and then we're just going to pass the bread around each other and we're going to pass the cups around rather than having the separate stations, as we often do. But it's about drawing together and it's about being on one people sharing from, from the same bread and the same wine. So, I just, I just want to invite you to stand and I want you to go as close to the front as you can. So let's fill this space here and first up the rows and uh, come forward. Come on, don't be shy. <laughs> Cuddle in. <laughs> Jesus' breast, so if you're touching each other, that's okay, that's normal for for sharing communion. Lord, would you just come and be with us in this time of fellowship? As we draw around your table, as you invite us into your presence, Lord, I believe that communion is just as much for you as it was given for us.